LeBron finds the lane down the middle in the two-hand jam. If you don't get the basket, then you're going to need to stop. AD, four-point play. There it is. <laughs> a four-point opportunity, and he could reach 40 with this free throw. Anthony Davis with 42 points. The Jazz get beat. 116 to 108. The question of the morning, uh, the three-point shooting. Could it have bailed him out? 12 of 43. What is going wrong? And PK, there is a lot of comedy out there. Even when <laughs> times are hard for the Jazz. Thank you for that. Uh, the number of people who have tweeted at us or hit Facebook up or hit Facebook up with "ball won't go in the hoop," "ball didn't go in the hoop." Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Math is Math. Uh, they just keep coming in. Jim Boylan lives. It's been a decade, but sweet ball didn't go in the hoop. <laughs> Has it been ten years, man? Wow. When you think about it, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh man. So what? Can the Jazz do? Josh has the, uh, here's a thought, attack the freaking basket. If they aren't falling, quit shooting them. This is simple basketball. Attack the rim, get to the line. These are easy fixes. You know the guy okay, who how about- did get to the line was Donovan Mitchell, who was shooting the three pretty well, 4 of 10, 40%. 40% is kind of the gold standard. You're 40% or better. You're a really good three-point shooter. And he was 11 of 12 at the line. Mitchell's talking about you miss 100% of shots you don't take. Can a team win without shooting, or specifically this team, without shooting a high number of threes? As currently constructed, no. No, I think they got to shoot a high number of threes. Well, you know, even with Bogdanovich, I, I think they have to shoot a high number of threes. Now, you can argue, is, uh, is 43 too many? Uh, you know, they average about 34 or 35 before the break, and I think Quinn's been pushing him to shoot more. He's fielded multiple questions on that topic. Um, you know, what's I was listening to the big show a little bit before the, the pregame yesterday, and we were debating what's the right number, you know, do they have to shoot 40? Yeah, and, and I don't know, it's how, how many go in as opposed to how many you take. I mean, you got to keep shooting them, But they're small, so I don't know, you know, can the small guy attack the big guy at the rim and have a lot of success, you know, in certain situations? Yeah, right. Uh, But can five guys do it for 48 minutes? No, I think you're going to have to make a bunch of threes. So they have no choice. So you have no problem You would with them shooting the amount of threes that they're taking. You would disagree with that prior take you just read, change the strategy. I think it depends on the game and the matchups. Watching the Laker game, I had no problem with the with the number of threes they took. Well, I mean, how is the matchup going to change? I mean, they're always going to be wildly undersized. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I don't. I don't get it. What What's the difference? Uh, you know how wildly undersized they are, and and how a team plays them. You know, if you're wildly undersized, that's good enough. <laughs> So I don't know how wildly undersized you need. If you're already wildly undersized, that's all you need to know. Did you want him to shoot less threes and attack the rim more? Oh, I've been saying this for years. If the threes aren't going... Stop taking them. Try, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, that's, yeah. that has no relation to any 
individual particular situation. That has been my general philosophy over and over. Once Jordan Clarkson is 2 of 11, I really don't need to see him go 2 of 12 and 2 of 13. (laughs) I think that... uh... You know, one of the such things is uh, for, force more turnovers and, and get out and run more. You know, if you're, if you're the smaller, quicker team, uh, don't get stuck in a half-court game where those are your only options. And that can be one way. In transition, I mean, you can shoot threes, but I think usually it's easier to attack the hoop in transition, too. I love it when you say get out on the break. Get out on the break! <laughs> 14 turnovers is not enough. you got to force more than that. Yeah, but isn't that like saying, well, just grow a couple of inches? <laughs> I mean, you, you can say that, but if you could accomplish that, wouldn't you accomplish that? You can say whatever you want, but wouldn't you do it if you could do it? Do you? Does that need to be said? I suppose it depends on the situation. Um, you know, sometimes it is so painfully obvious, it probably doesn't need to be said. Uh, but sometimes it can't hurt. Put it at the forefront of your brain. You're thinking about a million things, you know, over the course of a game. And sometimes it's like, be willing to take a little more of a chance and go for it. you got Rudy Gobert behind you blocking shots, you know, as long as Rudy's on the floor. Uh, you know, Rudy played 34 minutes, so he was out there for a big chunk of the game. So, you know... Gamble a little bit more. It's worth it, you know, because you need to get out. Need to get out on the break. You need the transition. Okay. Or you need to just bleep and hit some threes. <laughs> the ball just needs to go in the hoop. Quit overthinking it. It just needs to go in. I think that's far more likely because if you could create easy baskets, you would create easy baskets. That's something that already would happen. I think it's more about what can you do as far as what's in the realm of realistic realism. And this is their philosophy. And to go to change things, to, to, to be gambling defensively and put Rudy in a position of getting fouls doesn't seem like it's a strategy. And I want to tip the cap to Tony Bradley. I thought that was one of his better games that he played. Now, he's a limited player with a limited role, but nevertheless, I thought he played very well in that limited role, and maybe he can be onto something and they can give him some more minutes. Uh, but this philosophy that they have isn't changing at all. So you have to admire their consistency and their ability and their desire to stick with it rather than I'd rather see that than just willy-nilly change plans on the fly all the time and you don't know what's going on. And the messages you're sending to the players are, hey, let's panic. At the drop of a three that doesn't go, let's panic. (laughs) Let's change everything that we've been working on. That is doomed to failure. It seems like you have to be able to be consistent. The message to the squad has got to be, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it, and this is where we're going to stay with it. Uh, Now, they're probably, especially under this situation, because for them to advance in the postseason, it's a long shot without their second best scorer. I don't know if I can classify him as their second best player, but you probably could. But certainly, obviously, it's a mathematical situation here, and he's their second best scorer. There's no doubt about that. So you're taking a significant factor out of the piece. So now 
trying to have a way to advance, which is still the goal, no matter what. You're still, no matter what you're faced with, you're trying to win the game. That, that, I mean, that's the ultimate goal here, at, particularly at the pro level. If it was a practice game, that would be something else. But in this game, situation, you're trying to win the game, and you're trying to advance. You're trying to stay alive in Orlando as long as you can. And so they feel this is the way, so why change it now? It doesn't make sense. I get the philosophy. The shots aren't dropping, unfortunately, but I get what they're thinking, and I can see why they would do what they're doing. Uh, the other thing I teased coming in here was that uh, you had a question. Why are all the coaches wearing uh, the polos all of a sudden? Is it the heat and humidity in Orlando, kind of the summer league atmosphere where they're all – you know, staying in the same place, playing basically on the same floor, a couple of floors, whatever. Uh, what's the deal? Why Why did the suits go away? And I couldn't believe this when I opened, I opened ESPN.com this morning. But Zach Lowe wrote the longest story on this, PK. <laughs> and basically the coaches are split down the middle on who wants to stay in polos and who wants to be in suits. And he's got great stories from them about guys who cut deals, got hand-me-downs from other coaches when they started coaching because they couldn't afford the suits. And the coaches who are, who are as he refers to them, team casual, are just, just all about it. Like, this is the way to go. Uh, but there are other guys that grew up doing the suits. They had a mentor sometimes a dad, who was all about the suits, and they, they think he'd be spinning in the grave. It's, it's pretty funny. The coaches definitely lightened up for this story. I think the suits are just so over the top. Why? <laughs> it makes no sense to me. It is so stupid to have them in suits. And people say about the baseball managers, yeah, I get that too. Although a lot of managers, they're modified. You know, they have some type of top on. They don't necessarily have the team jersey on. I know a high school coach at San Pedro High, he'd, he'd been there for like 40 years. He literally coached that long. He used to be the man in black the, because they were the Pirates, so black and gold was their colors and still are their colors. And he would wear black trousers and he'd have like a black windbreaker. And I always thought that made sense. Hmm. You don't need to be in uniform. And I remember Alan Ashby caught for uh, Houston Astros? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he's a Pedro High kid. And, in fact, I think he holds the record for most uh, no-hitters caught because Nolan Ryan was there to, uh, for Houston doing his thing and some other guys, obviously. J.R. Richard, I think. And uh, this guy, Jerry Lavaro was his name. And when he turned, like, 65, I did a story on him. And that was when I was there, and Ashby played way earlier. And Ashby was doing television in Houston. And I called him up. He says, he's 65? Man, I thought he was 65 when I played for him. <laughs> and that, was, that was like 30 years earlier. But, but anyway, it, it made sense that he, and he's, he was known as the man in black. You know, they have Johnny Cash uh, had that rep too. And so... I get that. I don't understand why these guys wear these big fancy suits. I always thought Majerus had it right. You know, wear the sweater. He was known, and they retired the sweater at the Huntsman Center. Why get all freaking dressed up? I think, I think it looks so much better now the way they're dressed. 
So it seems so much more appropriate for the occasion. This there's been so much thought put into this. I, I can't believe it. The Coaches Association took a poll two years ago and found overwhelming support for the suits. Rick Carlisle said. <laughs> I don't believe that. I, I don't. Second. I don't get it. <laughs> it seems like in the like story the that it's split more fifty-fifty. I was going to say it, it. It seems pretty even. Well, did they name, did they name guys? What's what's Quinn Snyder? Carlisle, Carlisle says if if he went to the casual, he says if I ever did that. Chuck Daly would roll over in his grave. The legacy of guys like Chuck Daly, Pat Riley, Lenny Wilkins, that is a big part of this. He is all about team suit. Uh, the only thing they have from Quinn is that Quinn suggested that if you wear suits, everybody wears the same. Apparently, that's what they do in uh, Europe. Um, Interstaff uniformity. Uh, when Snyder was an assistant at a powerhouse in Moscow, uh, Tori Messina, the former Spurs assistant, uh, was then the head coach there. He outfitted the entire coaching staff in the same suit and tie for every game. And Tori has great taste, Snyder said. Messina confirmed via text that he does indeed have great taste. That's CSK Moscow. <laughs> yeah, CSK Moscow, yeah. So, okay, it was funny. There were little funny texts like that. There are a bunch of coaches. i got to find it in here. There was a list of coaches who were on Team Cash. And uh, the guy who was most into the casual look was your guy, Steve Kerr. Kerr was so passionate, he requested his name appear on this list in larger font, John Hancock style. Uh, Luke Walton, Mike D'Antoni, Denver's Mike Malone, Boston's Brad Stevens, Orlando's Steve Clifford all want the polo look. That's what I would vote all the way. Now, here they've had messages on there. Uh, as far as some type of social a thing, and I don't know that you can do that with a suit, so it makes sense here to have that racial equality, whatever it is that they've been having on their uh, polos. But I, I think you, you look at a football staff. I always thought a football staff looked cool with team uh, gear. Khaki. Yeah. Yep, I agree. And maybe the head coach has a different colored shirt, but everybody else, they're they've got. With basically a polo, a go- what I would call a golf shirt, and uh, some form of uh, a khaki pants. I-, I think they look good that way. And then some guys want ball caps, other guys don't, I guess. It's up to them. But I- and then when you look out on the sideline, I think that looks cool. And I, would- I think it looks cool in basketball, too. I don't get why they get so freaking dressed up. I think it's especially critical in football because of the weather. You know, you're playing in 90 and 100 degree temperatures. Uh, We don't have it so much here because it's a dry heat, but you're playing in real humidity in September along the East Coast, places like Florida. It's still miserable. And then you get the cold weather games November and December. You know, it's I don't understand the suit. The suit doesn't really set you up for the weather. I mean, if you're in San Diego or L.A., I guess, maybe. Uh, but it just seems like that's just nasty to, to be in a suit when the weather blows. Well, hardly anybody wears a suit in football, right? No, it's why I think, I think, and I think that's helped it trend away, is you can sell the gear. Let, let's, let's not kid ourselves. Selling the team gear has definitely, you know, to have, you know, There's the team re- logo and colors. Nike actually releases three different versions of polos for each team that they're contracted with yeah. each year. A lot of money to be made yeah. there. Yeah, and that's fine. I get go ahead and make the money on all that stuff. Whatever. Yeah. Scott right. Scott Brooks with the Wizards. You see Irvine guy like Steve Cleveland. Uh, he says I was against polos, but now that I'm down to my summer weight, I love them. Most of the coaches said they would support carrying over the look to the normal NBA environment. So who knows? Maybe this is the moment they all switch and follow you. 
That's funny. Down to the summer weight for me. It's up to the summer weight? Yeah, it is. Because there's a lot more ice cream and, and hamburgers and those types of things than, for me anyway, in the winter. Mm. I tend to lose weight in the summer. It's um, the fruits and the vegetables instead of the, the pasta. <laughs> you tend to lose weight? More, what more what salad, do you tip on the fruit, scales now? More. Oh, I'm about 180, PK. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now put your second foot on the scale. Oh, really? I got to put both feet on the scale? <laughs> Nobody tells me how these things work. They're so complicated. Come on, dude. I just I weighed myself this morning, 181. This summer, I've been on your uh, on your pizza and ice cream thing, and I, I have not lost like I usually do. So, I can usually have like a 15 pound swing. What, I've only lost like five pounds. What are you tipping the scales summer. at? You still haven't told us. 215. 215. Yep. I say by Labor Day you get to 222. Just pizza and ice cream all the way through. See what you can do. I mean, you're big in our community. Be bigger. By Labor Day. Make, let's make DJ bigger. 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 All right, I'm going to the pie today. Actually, I am going to the pie today. Good call. <laughs> yeah. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jay Drew, BYU football beat writer for the Deseret News, is going to join us at 9 o'clock. The Big 12 going Nine conference games plus one home non-conference game. Where do the Cougars go from here? We'll talk with Jay. Coming up at 9 o'clock, and we'll get to a little of that next. Stay with us. Ow! Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net! Presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jazz get 33 points from Donovan Mitchell, 24 points and 8 assists from Mike Conley, but it's not enough. They lose the Lakers 116-108. to Jazz are off today. They play the Grizzlies tomorrow at 12.30. The Grizzlies lost to the Pelicans 109-99. to Zion Williamson finished the game, went for 23 points, and the Pelicans get the win. Fred Van Vliet, 36 points, a career-high 18 points in the third quarter. He never had a quarter like that. He went off. And the Raptors beat the Heat 107-103. Speaking of going off, Michael Porter Jr., a huge game. 37 points, 12 rebounds, and the Denver Nuggets beat the Oklahoma City Thunder 121-113. to T.J. Warren backs up his 53-point game by going for 34 points and 11 rebounds as Indiana beats the Washington Wizards 111-100. to this back-to-basketball update is brought to you by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. It's an open mic. Wish Hans a happy birthday day today. Hans, this is your mom and dad. Happy birthday to our baby Buffalo. Tatanka. Buffalo. Tatanka. Buffalo. Buff. Buffalo. 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 All we ever wanted for your first birthday was a shock collar and a restrictive fence. We didn't know what we had given birth to. Ma, you've been bad. I don't have a lot of requests on this show. <laughs> I really don't. But can we not cut up my mom's best wishes that turned out to not be the best of best wishes? Oh, happy birthday, my friend. Hard to top this one. Oh, yeah, it was great, man. Wow. 
Catch Hans and Scotty every day. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 7 at the Warehouse, 86 East University Parkway in Orem. Prices so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! All right, PK, we're going to talk with uh, Jay Drew coming up at uh, 9.05. He covers the BYU uh, football team for the Deseret News. And the news breaking yesterday, the Big 12, the last Power 5 conference to come out with their plan, they're going to go 9 plus 1, 9 conference games, and then everybody gets to play one home non-conference game. It's got to be at home. TCU apparently is not going to play SMU. SMU don't want to play that game, apparently. There were reports about that last night, which would leave TCU without a game. Texas Tech's only non-league game was at UTEP, so either they switch it to a home game or they need a game. BYU's not going to be included in the league. I think that was a hope for a lot of Cougar fans. Uh, what path do you see forward now for BYU, a team that's got six scheduled games? Now, they may lose some of those. Some of the conferences, Mountain West hasn't made an announcement about non-conference games and all that. But they got six games right now. I don't think they need six games because it doesn't seem like anybody's playing 12, but most teams seem to be playing 10. So can they find four games out there? How many do you think they can find in the Big 12 as those schools cut individual deals or just pare down their existing schedule? So you're telling me that scheduling is a bigger story than the Devils getting a commitment from a local long snapper? Yeah. <laughs> I saw that last night from you. That was funny. <laughs> hey, that's an in-state guy. Back off on your criticism of Herb. Herb got a long snapper, baby. Jeez. Hey. I knew he could do it. I knew he could have one guy from in-state. I knew it. <laughs> long snappers have gotten better. We don't see as many snaps over the punter's head. It's People have figured out, hey, there's a college scholarship. I could get really good at this. Oh, then one of those Denny brothers play like 30 years in the NFL, snapping the ball. Right? John, 14. <laughs> you, don't, you just don't see the, the field goal and the punt snaps flying over the kicker's head anymore. Hardly Guys have ever, got this yeah. down. They got well, it down. You can get a scholarship, apparently, just doing that. Yep. Coaches don't want to see the ball fly. They, got, they work all week. They got all this game plan. They know that like, Kyle can just, and I'm sure other coaches can too, Kyle can quote you the odds on, you know, if the team gets the ball at their own 20, they score this percentage of the time. At their own 40, this percentage of the time. At midfield, this percentage. You don't want to snap it over the head and just hand someone 60 yards. Oh, no, not at all. That's the equivalent of giving up a long pass play or a long run. You guys know about the Elite 11 quarterback series. They don't have an Elite 11 snapper series. Oh, yes, they do. It's called the the Rubio long snapping. Elite 5. They couldn't fill the other six spots. (laughs) The Elite 5. Like BYU schedule. They couldn't come up with another six guys. Oh, there you go. Well done. (laughs) Boom. Uh, Yeah, I, I think the Cougars have been in negotiations with Big 12 for a good long while now. I told you that probably three weeks ago. And if the home schedule has to suffer for this season, so be it. I I really don't think you can crack on BYU for their home scheduling if it lacks with this Big 12 having this rule that they've instituted. Uh, And who knows, maybe it can be modified if it's BYU and it's an ESPN game at uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe there could be some form of an exception. But, I mean, that's what they're going for. And I imagine today's their uh, first practice and they got the Zoom thing at 12.30, and my guess is everybody's going to be talking about scheduling. Yeah. And that just sucks because, you know, I'd 
but all of us would much rather be talking about football. And the good thing for the Cougars is they don't have a lot of positions up in the air. I mean, this is the, as I understand it, unless I'm wrong, and I don't remember the first year because we're going back now, but certainly with most of the guys now being Kalani's guys, this is the most restarted number of restarters that he's had returning since he's been there. What is this, his fifth season now? Is that what we're going into? Correct. Uh, yeah. And so that's the time, even with the mission situation, and we understand that, the time is now to get it going, and this this is his talent and his staff's talent. And they, they, have, a, what, they have 15 starters returning. Now there will probably be some guys who emerge. It always happens. You know, we never really know who's going to. Sometimes we, I can't say we don't know. Sometimes we certainly know, and they'll tell you. Uh, they'll tell you. I remember when uh, Curtis Brown left, I think it was, and, you know, where were they going to get their uh, running production? And Lance Reynolds and told me, he says, oh, well, we got Harvey Younger. He's going to be a great player for us. And he was, you know. And Utah has told me a number of times, so put, keep your eye on this dude, that dude. And if you get it from the boss, uh, he usually uh, has a, no, an idea of what he's talking about, and that's happened a number of times. And so you can't always say we don't know, but sometimes there's like Keithy really has emerged for for Utah as to be such an effective weapon, and I don't know that we knew that. So there'll be guys who emerge, but nevertheless, the Cougars have a lot of returners, and I would much rather talk about that. But what you know, you're going to talk about that. That's going to be on that Zoom call today. But first and foremost is who you're going to play because this is the most unusual of situations. And I think if it worse comes to worse, which is literally what it would be, if they have to go with independence and maybe even play them multiple times, that's what you got to do. Just bite the bullet. Yeah, because a game against New Mexico State twice is better than zero games against whomever. Would you rather have a a game canceled with Alabama or play New Mexico State twice? If it's the only option, I would rather play New Mexico State twice than sit at home and do nothing. Right. So, you know, you get who you can get. I, I don't have a, a good feel for whether any of those ACC teams, because they're going to play the 10 plus one, you know, can BYU pick up a game or two there. Uh, clearly, we don't know all those school situations. Uh, well, I was told that that wasn't high on the list, but, but I was told up. that, yeah, I was told that three weeks ago. Yeah. And I was, I, because I, I came on and I said, SEC, Big 12. All right. So now it's replace ACC. I don't know about that. Uh, if, if that's as too, I don't know how much the geographical distance matters because if you're flying somewhere, Really, what difference does it make where you're flying? You know what I mean? Yeah. So you spend an extra hour and a half on the plane. So what? I, I think travel for a lot of teams matters, but not for college football because they, they charter. You know, it's not uh, any other team. You know, some basketball teams charter, some go commercial, some do a, a mix depending on the trip. If you have to fly commercial and be around all these other people and, you know, who knows which one of them is asymptomatic and positive, right? That could be a problem. But the charter, that seems pretty safe. I don't, you know, you disinfect the plane and then you put everybody on it. That doesn't seem like that big a deal. Right. And it's a matter of who you can get. Right. And they've been... As an independent, I can't say you're in a scramble situation, but you're in an unusual situation relative to literally 
uh, anybody else in the country. Unless, if you're New Mexico State and UConn and UMass and Liberty, I guess, because Army has the Service Academy games lined up, and obviously Notre Dame has its games lined up, a good portion of them. Well, so you've got, what do you've got, basically no- four schools in the country who are grab bag and maybe BYU is in a little bit better situation because you have a long-term contract with Boise and you're playing Utah State every year and most every year Utah so it's not all 12 but it is somewhat of a an unusual not a grab bag situation but this year it is this year is a scramble and whoever you can get if you can get Chico State go get Chico State They'll have a problem if the Mountain West Coast Conference only, because they're down to six games now, and that would drop them down to three. And then that's really a hole in the schedule right there. I'd, we don't know what the AAC will do, and they got Houston there. So i got to imagine Northern Illinois will welcome them in. The Max already lost a bunch of Big Ten games, so I wouldn't think that game's going away. You know, hey, Northern if you could Illinois. go 3-0, oh, go 3-0. and oh. Beat Northern Illinois and beat New Mexico State twice. And Un- call it a season? Undefeated! Hey, you can take North Alabama. That's 4-0. How about this? You go 4-0, and then you look at guys. Guys, we only played four games. Everybody redshirted, unless you already did. It's your, it's your redshirt year. Uh, yeah, I would, yeah. I would think ESPN's going to broker something, and they're going to get some games. I, I, ESPN needs product. You know, I know, but a, what about it if they're road games, though? ESPN doesn't have uh, control of that. It's not their property. But it would be, it might help ESPN because they might control the other, the other team's well, but, home games. But, and, my point is, expand it beyond ESPN. If you can, absolutely. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, if anybody who will help broker you a, a game here, I mean, great. Uh you know, Fox controls a lot of the Big 12 stuff. It's possible that we'll see a Big 12 game brokered, and it won't be on ESPN, that BYU will go to Texas Tech or TCU right. or wherever, and it'll end up on FS1 or on Big Fox. I mean, yeah, if that right. works. If that were, I mean, at this point, you know, Tom's burning up the phone lines. So that's what I'm talking about. Think beyond ESPN this year. Yeah. Because they have connections Whatever this conference, and they have this tier rights they have. I don't know what all the Big 12 is. I mean, they're pretty much basically the same. Uh, but have all that stuff out there and see what you can do. BYU versus any upper half team in the Big 12, in my mind, is an attractive matchup, particularly this year. I would say anybody except Kansas. Well, I went upper half if you want to extend it. Kansas is terrible. <laughs> but other than that, I don't. Uh, I haven't seen preseason polls. I, I I did actually take that back because I did see Oklahoma, yeah, Oklahoma yeah. State, and Texas are supposed to be the top three in the league. You know, actually TCU's coming off a losing season. I don't know but how still, good they're going to be. They can, you can sell that puppy. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, DJ and PK. It's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. We got a long. We got a long snapper story according to Yak here. Justin's calling in. Justin, good morning. <laughs> Hey, how's it going? A random comment about Arizona State getting a local <laughs> long snapper, and here we go. Locke was just yeah. telling us, hey, radio back in the day, we took calls. You weren't really in control of the show. Well, we're not in control now. Long snapper stories for 500, Alex. All right, what do you got? Hey, so this is a little league football and long snapper story. So you put those together, it gets a little crazy. So I was the center. Gold. 
right? I was the center. I think this was third or fourth grade. I can't remember. And they, we go back to the huddle, and I'm clueless of what down it is. Apparently, it's fourth down, and we call the punt. And my best friend's the punter, and we rarely punt. So I get up there, look between my legs, and the quarterback's not there. And I'm like, what the heck? So I look further back, and he's off to the side because I guess he's a blocker. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, I guess we're doing a, a shotgun with a quarterback over on the side. So I hike the ball a little bit <laughs> diagonal, goes to the quarterback. He has no idea what to do with it. And, yeah, the coach is pretty pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, That's actually the start of a couple of great fake punts, but I guess the team would have to know a fake punt was on, and you'd be the only one, so that wouldn't work either. Correct. Too bad. Too bad. Well, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. I love watching. Uh, I love watching uh, little league football coaches, or well, any coach, just lose their mind when the little kids completely lose the plot. Doesn't matter what sport it is. Awesome. Well, I would encourage anybody, if you can top that, we will do something down the line when games resume. Best long snapper story of the day. All right, bring it. We got an open segment next. <laughs> then we got Jay Drew, Cougar football writer for the D News at 905. Stay with us. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. It's been a long four months. Welcome back. But finally, the NBA is back. Back up and hammer. That is filthy, Rudy. Catch every second of every moment of Utah Jazz basketball. As the Jazz resume play from the bubble in Orlando, your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Surrogate Networks is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. So PK puts out the call for long snapper stories because the Sun Devil's got a local long snapper. Got a local commitment. All right. Where's he from in Arizona, PK? Is he from Surprise? Uh, Good year. Some new high school called like Boulder Creek. I'm not exactly even sure where it is. I know <laughs> it's in the valley somewhere. Okay. All right. So now, now the call is out for hilarious long snapper stories. And Yak, you're actually getting calls? <laughs> yeah, we do. Trevor's on the line. Trevor, good morning. Good morning. Trevor, where were you long snapping? So, uh, what was that? Where were you long snapping? So I long snapped from the time I was a little kid until high school. But in ninth grade, I was warming up for a game and doing uh, PATs, snapping for it. And uh, I snapped back, and I didn't have my helmet on. And the kicker kicked the block, and the block went perfectly between my legs and hit me right in the face. And uh, I ended up having to play the game with a fat lip and a bloody face. So, <laughs> Oh, brother. <laughs> it was a one-in-a-million shot. Does video of this live anywhere? <laughs> no. That was probably back in, like, 2003. That's disappointing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Everybody had flip phones. Nobody had cameras in their phones at that point. Plus, yeah. it's, it's warm-ups. Who's video, Those video are video hard, like too. You never know, PK. Someone could be... <laughs> you never know. I guess not. All right. Hey, thanks for the call. <laughs> warm-ups, they're more dangerous than you know. Those kicking tees, I can attest, they are very hard and rigid. Well... 
Okay, now that we've exhausted long snapping stories, let's go short snapping. <laughs> short snapping, okay. Short snapping stories. <laughs> Quarterbacks lining up behind the guard. <laughs> that has happened. Seen that happen. Yeah, John Elway famously did it in his first NFL game. I never thought we would have long snapper stories. And yet, here we are, PK. It's the magic of live radio. We've got long snapper stories. And just, just random, to me. random stuff comes in, and, and there you go. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I would be stunned if we could stretch long snapper stories out to five. The good news is we don't, don't have to. I don't think there's five unusual ones. All right, well, two I don't d- think we could. Two down, three to go, but we don't have to because we got Jay Drew coming up next to talk BYU football. I don't, I don't think there's that many unusual outside of, well, I snapped a two-hopper or wide left, wide right, or over his head. I, I, I think that's the extent of it, right? I've seen a made PAT go off of a long snapper's butt. I was in the game. That's three. That's a good one right there. So the kick came in low. No, no. Hit the guy. No, because that's a kick. Not. No, it's still a long snapper story because it's a long snapper's butt. It was a game I was playing in. The kicker kicked it low and went off the long snapper's butt and made it through that the arced it up in the air and it and couldn't have been a very okay, long kick. Arc then. was it's a PAT, so arc okay. was very <laughs> wobbled through the uprights after glancing off. But you got the point. We did. Yeah. Won the game with that. Literally. Point. And you won a one-point game? Correct. Literally. Mm-hmm. The point was made. Seven to six. It was a real tight game. <laughs> seven I played to high six. school. I played freshman football in high school. That was the extent of my freshman because I moved from New Jersey to, to Phoenix, and I literally went to high school, and I did not know literally not one single soul when I showed up the first day. Not literally no one did I know. Guy and I had a had a New York accent. I certainly had a New York attitude, and uh, fish out of water, a hundred percent. And you never want to be a fish out of water in Phoenix because there's not a lot of water there anyway. And so I, sh- I I thought, wow, I'll just go out for football and see if I can meet some guys. And I don't. It's not really a long snapper story, but we we're playing Moon Valley, the dreaded Moon Valley Rockets, and the punter in pregame, they were going through that. And he kept punting the ball in the stands. He would shank it, and it actually went into the stands. So they changed the punter right then and there in a pregame. But it wasn't really a long snapper story, but it was involved with a long was snapper Was he doing the rugby punt thing and running, or he was just standing no, no, there? No, I don't think that, that, that didn't exist it, it then. Didn't did exist it didn't exist then, okay. Yeah, because... Uh, no, he just had a bad day. He kept shank, shank like two or three in a row, and they went directly left, and they literally, and it, most high schools have a track, yeah. and it went over the track into the stands. And the coach got fed up with it, and he said, forget that. That's like the only... I remember two things from my freshman year football, that we sucked, and uh, we were playing Brophy, and they had this play set up, first play of the game. We were going to get the kickoff and we were going to throw deep, right? And we had this really fast guy, but the problem is the guy could run, but that's all he could do. And so we set the play up, boom, kid throws it, guy's back there, it's easy six, he drops the ball. The coach, I remember, takes the clipboard, uh, hits it over his knee, and it's a wooden clipboard, and it just shatters into about 50 different pieces. Nice. And, of course, those are the only two things I remember my entire freshman year. My high school basketball coach, my junior year, shattered a uh, one of those clipboards because uh, 
we were playing Mount McGill and we were down by two and they had the ball. There's no three-point shot. And, and we foul. We foul with two seconds left in the game. And the guy makes the first free throw, misses the second, and the second guy on the free throw line, our guy's first and their guy's second, steps around our guy. Our guy steps in the lane. The ball comes off the side. The guy grabs it, lays it into the buzzer, and wins the game. We didn't even get to OT. Coach was so furious. It was awesome. Was it at the end of the buzzer? Because you had said that earlier. Yeah, it was. It was at the end of the buzzer. <laughs> Jay Drew. Hopefully he doesn't have any long snapper stories. Maybe he's got stories about the BYU football team and who they might be playing this year. Big 12, maybe they can reach out to the ACC. Maybe there's some other games to be had. We'll talk with Jay coming up. Stay with us.